Welcome everyone. How are you doing, Michael? No time, no doing, here. Doing really well. Glad to see and hear you. You too. I mean, we are not doing this for like how long? Two months, three months already, right? Yeah, I had people talking and they were like, do you bring a Christmas edition? But yeah, we didn't make it, Adam. We need to keep up the pace. Yeah, I heard the news. People are protesting around in all Germany. They are waiting for this new episode. They're waiting for it, definitely. Now we have a guest today, right? Yes, we have the pleasure to have Rosalie with us um, to speak about all around data analytics journey, but also dive into KIIs and continuous monitoring and really her from her experience, how it came that she joined an internal audit department as a data analyst and what her perspectives are on the topics that we also recently discussed. Um, but we want to really get her hands-on experiences. So welcome, Rosalie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, looking forward to our conversation. Perfect. Maybe to kick it off a little bit of also touching on to your background. So we know each other quite for some time now, um, have worked together in in two different teams. Um, and of course, I would be interested in your story a little bit about how was it for you moving from external audit to internal audit? Um, yeah, so I started an external audit um, and I basically started as an intern in external audit. So it was basically my very first experience after doing the purely theoretical work um, at the university. So I think to start off, it's quite a good um, journey and experience because in external audit, obviously, you get to experience a lot of different um, branches, a lot of different fields, a lot of different companies, um, but you basically um, are very focused on one certain topic. So um, as an external auditor, it's a lot about finance. Um, so you really dive deep down into one specific topic, but get the pleasure to experience, um, yeah, as I said, many different branches. And um, coming into an internal audit function, this changed a little bit from really specifying on one specific field, um, but then getting the pleasure of having experiences and projects across many different board areas. So now it's really not only about finance anymore, but really understanding the entire corporation, the entire company, um, looking into logistics processes, um, operations, finances, controlling, but also HR and um, yeah, any, any other board area that you would have, which might be brands or marketing. So that's a little bit um, of the difference. And, and then I think it's also different in a way that you have a closer connection to your stakeholders, but also to the team. As an external auditor, you have to introduce yourself or make a, make a new impression um, every time you get to work on a new project with a new company. But if you work in an internal um, audit department, you already know a little bit about your stakeholders. You've probably already touched base with them previously, um, you see similar stakeholders over and over again. So yeah, you just um, yeah, you just you just have a different connection. And I think also um, it's the trust is different. Um, you know, you already know how people work. Uh, people already know how we are working. So that's a little bit of the differences, I would say. Yeah, but Rosalie, in your both experiences in external and internal audit, um, it was both more uh, specialized on the data analytics, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, also similar um, when it comes to that. I mean, you work with data and you work with 
data in processes, um, looking into finance data a lot. So as an external auditor, I was um, having a lot of experience with SAP, um, was very familiar with all the different um, yeah, invoice tables and, and finance tables, the FI module in SAP. But um, now as an internal auditor, there are many more systems outside of SAP that people work with, for example, on a product side, um, in, an, in an operation side. So, so all the different SAP modules outside of um, SAP finance. Actually, that's a very important point since you mentioned it, because especially today's topic is the continuous monitoring, and it's important for us to get the um, uh, fastest and most efficient access to the different systems. And since it's not only one system, it's one of the challenges that we face. Like uh, we always try to identify the different systems. We need to understand the data content, and then con after connecting there, we need to do our data accuracy test. So definitely, it's one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, of course, even even starting with um, requesting access, it's, uh, it's I mean, <laughs> it's usually very similar when it comes to SAP, you know how it works, but then looking into different systems, it's, yeah, it's a different mm -hmm. story. I think here is one of the important parts is our area is like as data analytics in audit departments, it's kind of a little bit niche area. It's like uh, yeah. most of the other business owners, they don't understand, for example, why we want to get access to simply all of the systems. Yeah. So, so we keep opening new tickets and probably I was uh, I was always the one that has the highest number of tickets in my companies. Considering this, like working in this niche area what was your learning during this like your career journey i didn't start oh i didn't study it or data at university it was also more of a borderline topic in in my field because i got a very yeah broad perspective in my in my studies as well i studied business and then um commercial law as well and i basically started with the whole data analytics journey when i started working at a consultancy company so my very first external auditor experience and there i already had a very specific i basically acquired all my knowledge through courses um, that i that i got through the company external courses um, but also internal ones so my journey of a data analyst was also already very specialized on audit itself and then also continuing to to internal audit i think there are already a lot of very great tools and very great um, yeah, platforms nowadays where you can upskill yourself. So I really did a lot of individual upskilling according to whatever I needed for, for a specific project. I used LinkedIn Learning a lot, for example, but also on YouTube, you'll find many different courses um, that you can use for upskilling on Power BI, but also coding, programming. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of my career journey um, as a data analyst I did a lot of upskilling on myself and i also think like why we normally from a training perspective in an audit department you naturally look at the broadest group that you need to train right like when we think about mm -hmm. trainings then it's about how do we teach the new isaac uh, the new guidances and the new standards and and what about report writing um and when it comes to data i sometimes feel it's then still like, how do we train our auditors? And it's a good thing. 
But also as a data analyst, I feel you must be much more proactive in owning your career and, and your learnings in a certain way that you actually the one identifying a lot of things for yourself, what is needed for your next step. If it's, um, yeah, if it's basically catching up on SQL or if there's a new technology like Lakehouse coming, like you as a data analyst oftentimes must identify these and then also at some point translate what can the audit team, what kind of level does the audit team need to learn also to keep pace with uh, with the data analysis you're providing to them. Especially now this very important point. I mean, I'm, I'm tr trying to follow all of these advancements, especially with generative AI now, like large language models. And now there is some other hype around LAM, like large action because models, I think models. And even if I'm trying to follow all of these advancements, I feel like I'm droning in all this information and I always feel like I'm missing something. It's very difficult to follow all of these advancements, but meanwhile, it's very important to be able to follow it and to find new ways to integrate all this information into our, let's say, audit cycle or work cycle. Yeah, and I think it's great nowadays that we have so many tools and opportunities for people that have not studied data analytics, that are not a real pro in coding mm -hmm. and uh, in, in writing SQL queries or or whatever, but we um, we get the opportunity to really also upskill the audit team with some simple steps and, and slowly progress in the in the data analytics journey and make that easier with uh, BI tools, for example. Yeah, I agree. I think one thing that was also part of um, the journey we went on, and I personally could experience also your personal growth a lot, was the journey about. Uh, continuous monitoring and uh, key risk indicators that we did transitioning into that topic. What would you say is our interpretation of um, key risk indicators or applying them as continuous monitoring? As I think we are not necessarily following a standard, but we're following a way that fits our needs to be flexible and have different purposes for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, we learn a lot about the business through our audits. So, um, we try to, after every audit, come up with risk indicators where we would say, okay, based on this audit, based on this board area, we could identify a risk with this and that calculation. Um, so this is the starting point for us. Um, yeah, coming up, coming out, uh, or coming up with a few of those KIs in collaboration with the audit team, and um, then we apply different measurements. So different measurements according to how well is the strategy executed in different countries or in different markets. Um, so currently we have two different um, yeah, methods or two different concepts. One is um, comparing countries between each other. So how well does a country adapt to the strategy as I just mentioned, but then also the other one, um, how did that certain risk indicator progress or develop throughout the year so throughout a specific time frame yeah so these are basically the two yeah the two concepts that we currently have so we don't really look at a specific value that we consider as not risky but we really look at the current status of our company and compare the different entities between each other so to yeah to really also feed that information into our audit planning and um, into our yearly schedule on what we want to look at. And Adam, I think one important point here was that what Rosalie mentioned that we do it together with the audit team or we link it to projects. Like in the past, mm -hmm. I think we tried to force it even as standalones and we, we figured out, 
okay, the audit team doesn't buy in, the stakeholders don't buy in, and now we, we, we try to link everything together. The historical analysis are very important. The findings in the past are very important to use it. That's why definitely the past audits can be used uh, as indicators in continuous monitoring. Basically, we have four different types of data analytics. It's like descriptive, diagnostics, predictive and prescriptive. So here, if we, if we are doing an audit in the past, uh, and if we identify any kind of patterns, this can be definitely an indicator that can be used in either predictive or prescriptive analytics, like uh, as a part of continuous monitoring. It's, it's the same as diagnostics analytics, like finding the root cause and after finding the root cause, uh, first uh, having a forecast for potential future risks in the predictive analytics side, and then using this information in the prescriptive analytics uh, to mitigate the risk. So I think the continuous monitoring really stands on the this third and fourth steps, like predictive and prescriptive analytics. And that's why, as you mentioned, like it's 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 very linked to the audits that we performed in the past and the experience coming from those audits. So it's not only using the historical information, it's also KRIS, the important part of KRIS is we can use it for the future audits as well as an input. Sometimes we are auditing the same business areas. And since we already have knowledge from the past and we built our KRIS according to this knowledge, then this is something definitely reusable in the future audits as well. That's why it's also saving time from data analysts in terms of building the dashboards from scratch again instead of that we use the dashboards uh, that we built in the past and even we can use these dashboards to share it with the stakeholders so they can uh, they can even adopt it and they can start using in their maybe kps or their daily uh, analysis as well um, by the way, Rosalie, you already touched one of the points, like uh, having continuous monitoring results. Maybe we can call it scores. Uh, maybe we can call it the risk impact. Uh, this is really important because it's not only standing by like just to control something, but it's also to uh, shape the future audits as well. This one, de definitely one of the very important points. But what are the other importances of building this? Because this is a lot of workload uh, for us. and. I really want to also emphasize the most important points, why we are building this continuous monitoring system. So why we are building this system, I think on the one hand, it's a great tool to retain knowledge. Um, so whatever you've learned in terms of data and in terms of data quality about a specific market, about a specific field, about a specific board area, a lot of times this just gets gets lost after an audit happens. So I think this is really a great tool to build onto the knowledge that we've already acquired in the past. Also in terms of the data knowledge and the data um, experience, data tables that we've used. Um, so it's also really not something that's going to be finished at some point, but it's a moving thing mm -hmm. that we just adopted into our audits now to be continuously improved for us and for our stakeholders as well. And I think that's 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 key because normally if you just would develop it, it get obsolete so fast, right? Like processes mm -hmm. changes, data changes. But once we have developed something that business buys into, they might not we might not even go the way that we have it. We do not aim for continuous monitoring where we would look at the dashboards and then tell them like, here's a red flag, you need to take care of because ideally we hand it over to them as a tool, we can still integrate it maybe in internal controls also to have a back check. 
But as long as they have a self-interest to weekly, monthly look into that and tell us, hey, there was a change, we're keeping it up to date. Because to be honest, if we one year from now, most of our dashboards would be outdated if there's nobody informing us or using it more on a regular basis. Yeah, I think that's one of the other challenges, right? As I said, I mean, we are not only supporting one business. We are interested yep. in all of the business in the company. And we cannot continue maintaining all these scripts, all these data sources one by one. It's not uh, sustainable. Yeah, and I think as you also just mentioned, it's a great tool to also combine or collaborate with the internal controls function. Because internal controls is also usually yeah, a function that keeps controls or checks alive on a yearly basis um, with the business together. So, yeah. You're mentioning the collaboration and the different stakeholders. What is your experience when we start or started the journey and now having a certain set of uh, key risk indicators? What do you say would be challenges to overcome first, but also learning from that some best practices, how this exercise can be a success? A lot of emphasis has to be put on the very start, really setting up a very good system, a very good basis to build on. Um, but then also one of the challenges that we face from time to time over and over again is, for example, the data quality or how many different functions in inside of a company are using um, their data. So it's not always the same rules applying to all of the different tables in, I don't know, be it different countries or different markets, but it can also be very specific. So key risk indicators um, is for us at this stage, at least, is, is not something that will give you a 200% correct result, but we have many different risk, uh, risk indicators. And then we look at the overall picture because I think, yeah, using it to such a detailed level and, and uh, considering all the different data use cases in different countries and markets would be too much at this point and nothing nothing to start with. And also, since you mentioned about like they're having a lot of different teams in the company, like uh, they also have their own data as, as well, uh, occasionally, yeah. not always, but also something that we can benefit from in some cases. If they build, they already build some analysis that we can also directly adopt it to our continuous monitoring environment as well. We can just take it, put it there. But of course, we need to be careful with one thing. We are not building performance indicators, which the... Yeah with their teams generally build. We are not, we are of course, in some cases in audits, we are also interested in the performance, but here we are talking about KRI. So it's important to be careful of using the correct kind of information in our monitoring tool. And as you also always say, trying to identify <laughs> the smoke, right? Because we we are not the people inside of the business um, building, the, building the KPI, but we are trying to identify yeah, or see the bigger picture and then use this in our audits or as an audit planning so we can, yeah, we can we can decide or follow up on, on the KRIs with one of our audits. And then I think we, we, we spoke a lot about collaboration. We mentioned how important it is not only to train the team, train the auditor, bring everything together. Um, but I also know, of course, as being declarated most of the times as a specialist, um, it's also not that easy to always fit into every team. So my question would be, um, as a data analyst, um, what looks 
what is for you what a collaboration? How does it look really well? Like, how can you support the audit team? But what are also things that you need from your team to make you successful? Yeah, I think that a lot of times that goes both ways. If you come as a specialist to, a, to an audit, a team should never work in silos. So it's not the data analyst just doing the data analytics stuff and um, not listening to all the other meetings that are happening or... Yeah, so I think just being open to each other and learning from each other and really adapting data analytics procedure or the data analytics um, processes into into the whole audit. So yeah, I think it really goes goes both ways and working with a data analyst or a specialist just as you would work with a team member. I believe this part, this especially this question is very important. It's difficult to answer, but one of the questions keeps coming up to us is should data analysts know the business for that topic as good as the audit team. This is debatable. I mean, yes, for the data analyst to perform the best analysis, uh, the data analyst should know about the business. But since we are not only working on one topic, uh, we have several audits, right? We have several audit teams. Uh, it's it's not easy for us. We cannot grab that, that much of information altogether. That's why I think here, as you mentioned, Roselle, like uh, not working in silos is important here, the collaboration part. So the audit team should be able to communicate the knowledge to us and we should be able to convert it to technical language. Yeah. And for that, also a lot of times a very good handover is important. So um, really also investing time into the handover. And I think sometimes it can be a little bit difficult because people on the business side are often or have often a little bit of different ways of working compared to a data analyst. As a data analyst, you a lot of times spend a lot of time in front of your code or um, redo analytics or rerun um, codes that that you that you were doing. Or yeah, it's it's just also a little bit of a different way of working, and that sometimes needs patience. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Good. Uh, I was thinking like to make it a short one, but we, we just can't stop talking, right, Michael? <laughs> Thank you so much, Rosalie, for your insights, um, sharing with us um, your story. Um, yes, and Adam, thank you for hosting us again. Um, looking forward to the next one. I hold you accountable that we do it more often. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's what I would like to do. I mean, also, these topics are, not, I mean, definitely cannot fit into 30 minutes, 40 minutes. These topics are like, we can talk forever. Like Rosalie, last question from our side. Is there ah. someone mm-hmm. you could think about being nominated for our next podcast episode? Definitely. Um, I think Jasmine would be a good one. Um, yeah, he has a little bit of a different background than I do. Um, so I'd really be interested in what he has to say. Perfect. Then we will let him know and make that happen, Adam. Great. Sure, definitely. So he, he has no other choice than to join. <laughs> it was really informative session. Thank you, Rosalie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.